Hello, everybody. Welcome in once again. It is Financial Fridays brought to you by Marshall Davis Ministries. I am Sean Davis. You can follow me at SD2Mikes on Instagram and Twitter, and also at Sean Marcel Davis on Facebook. We want you to share, share. Don't hoard this information. Share it right now on your Facebook page. Once again, we have great tips and a great lesson from our elder Alonzo Hinton tonight. We're going to be talking about money and emotions, how our emotions separates us from our money. Three great tips for you and some more stuff. So without further ado, I bring to you none other than our financial expert, Elder Alonzo Hinton. How are you doing tonight, bro? I'm doing good. How are you, Pastor Sean? I'm wonderful. Let's get right into it. Let's bless the people. Yes, sir. So it's a lot of information. It might be a part two, but we're going to go ahead and uh, give you what we got. Uh, so continuing to focus on your financial health uh, and the fact that how your feelings hinder you from obtaining wealth. What we need to realize is that a change in our financial situation starts with how we think about money. So Proverbs 23 and 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you want to deal with how you manage your money, you have to deal with the way you think first, because once again, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the thoughts and inclination of your heart shape the reality of you or who you are. They shape your thinking and they will eventually shape your actions. So what you think about money will eventually come to pass. All right. Uh, so we have to deal with our negative thoughts. Most of the time when people have issues with money, they have negative thoughts about money and they have to remove those negative thoughts or remove those blockages that are preventing money from flowing to you. Right. Because the word says that God has given us the ability to obtain wealth. So God has already released to us the an ability is the same thing as power or the right. So you have the right to obtain wealth. So now we just have to tap into it. So one of the, what, what are some of the things that we talk about that keep us from tapping into money? Well, we have to watch the way we talk. Uh, we have to watch the way we interpret scripture. So, uh, and then we can't have money. We can't be at a place in our lives where we think we have to choose between God and money. Because obviously if God said he's giving you the ability to obtain wealth, there's nothing wrong with, with you having that wealth. So going back to the way we talk, one of the things that annoys me when I hear saints, specifically saints, say is that they're broke. And I'm trying to figure out how are you broke if God says he'll supply all your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we have to realize that our words have power. The word of God says life and death is in the power of the tongue. So what we confess comes to life. It either brings life or it destroys what's happening in our life. So we have to be careful what we were saying, what we're saying. I was listening to a conversation my wife was having on the phone yesterday with one of her relatives and she was on speakerphone and the relative said, yeah, I recognize favor because it don't come along for it don't come along that often for me. So when it comes, I recognize it. And I had to immediately correct her and say the word of God says that favor surrounds you as a shield. So how is a saint that you don't have favor? It's your confession, which has shaped your thoughts, which causes you not to recognize the favor of God that's on your life. So you have to start confessing that the favor of God is on my life. So what happens? Once again, your thoughts, they shape your thinking, which will eventually shape your actions. So if you think you don't have favor, you will act like and expect not to have favor. So you'll walk in that loan office expecting to be told no. 
you'll walk in that interview expecting them to tell you that the job is not available. When you have favor, you expect the exact opposite. You expect to hear yes all the time. And even if you hear a no, then you'll just convince yourself that's not the right person. I just need to find the right person who will tell me no. So we have to deal with those negative thoughts. Uh, and then you have to be one of those people who instead of complaining about your lack of money, educate yourself about money. You know, I hear people say all the time they blame the school system. They blame their parents or whatever. But now we have access to so much information with these. These are computers. Right. And you can get any any information in the world on your computer. You can learn anything. You can learn how to manage money, anything. So you really have no reason, even if your parents didn't teach you about money, even if the school didn't teach you about money. We say these things. We make these confessions that with God, all things are possible. So that means you have the ability to learn about money. Also, it's you have it's possible for you to learn about money also. So the next thing we want to realize is that our problem isn't a lack of money. You thought your problem was a lack of money, but it's not. Because once again, the word of God says that he's given us the power, the right, the ability to obtain wealth. The problem is how you approach money, number one. Number two, how you think about money. And then number three, how you handle money. So the problem is how we approach money, which is number one. Number two, how we think about money. And then number three, how we handle money. Those are the things we need to get a hold of. Because no matter how much money you have, if you don't know how to manage it, you're going to lose it, right? So if you have a little money and you bad with money, you just bad with money. If you have a lot of money and you bad with money, you just bad with money. So the amount doesn't matter. If you have bad financial habits, the amount is irrelevant. So the next thing we want to talk about is how the world system says generally, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we have the same financial habits as our parents. And that's generally true because that's how we learn. But I found out in life, even before we get to the scripture, that I basically do what I want to do all the time. And I've done what I wanted to do my entire life. I'm going to tell you guys a story. When I was five years, my parents always told us it's not right to steal. You don't take stuff from people that don't belong to you. I remember when I was about five years old, we went to the store. My mother, we was going to the store. We was on my way to my grandmother's house for some type of event. I can't remember the event, if it was a holiday or something. And we were in the store and uh, I saw, remember those little candies, the plastic garbage can, and they had the little candies inside and they were shaped like different garbage things. <clears throat> well, I saw that and I said, you know, Ma, can you grab me one of those? I want one of those. She was like, no, we're not getting one of those. So I saw my opportunity while my mother wasn't paying attention. And I snuck the garbage can candy up in my pocket, you know, even though my parents told me not to. See, the point is, we make up our own mind what we want to do whenever we get ready to do it. And to show you, I knew exactly what I was doing. Once we got to my grandmother's house, I made sure I was by myself before I started eating that stolen candy. Right. Because I knew what I was doing was wrong. But I'm at five years old. I made up my mind. It didn't matter what my parents said. If I wanted something, I was going to go after it. So we often blame, you know, society, school, parents, these different things on why we haven't uh, fulfilled God's word. But the reality is 
that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the word of God says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So that means everything in your life has changed. So we can no longer hold on to that situation where we blame our past for where we are now because we have a clean slate for where we are and what we want to do in life. From that point, we're responsible for everything in our life. And we've given responsibility over to the word of to the word of God where we say, I'm going to follow the word of God for this particular subject. In this case, our own financial habits. So once we're a new creation, we make that confession, we're responsible for our own financial habits. We're not responsible for the financial habits of our parents, nor do we take them on. Philippians 2 and 12 says to work out your own soul, own salvation. That means you're responsible for living your life from that point on. So the Amplified Version says that we're to cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity. God wants your thoughts about finances to be spiritually mature. He wants the past to be left in the past. You can't do anything about the past. The word of God talks about that Jesus uh, in, what is it? Genesis, uh, not Genesis, Galatians 3, 13 and 14, that Christ Christ was sacrificed for the curse of the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law which means that we're no long, longer bound by the law. We're no longer under a curse. And then it only doesn't say that. It says what? That the blessing of Abraham may come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So two things happen. You're no longer under a curse. And then number two, the blessing is on your life at this point. So we need to walk in that blessing and be responsible for that blessing and do as two, Philippians 2 and 12 says, work out our own salvation. So the next thing we want to talk about is how financial intelligence is the basis for growing wealth. So the things, one of the things that hinder financial intelligence is mastering our emotions. So that's what we're going to get on at this point. So there's generally seven emotional responses that prevent financial success. We're going to go through them uh, kind of quickly. Uh, number one is fear because fear paralyzes you. Fear stops you from moving forward. So fear, as far as money, it prevents you from trying something new. When I was managing a branch, one of the most difficult things to do was to get the customers to learn something new. Right. They did not want to. They were used to banking in the 80s and the 90s where you come into a bank and the bankers did everything or the tellers did everything for you. And we were trying to switch them to self-service banking. And they were not, most of the people were not trying to hear that. That fear prevented them from trying something new. Not only, and their fear was not just trying something new. Their fear was that the bank was causing the neighborhood to lose jobs. So fear caused them to put up a block and say, no, I don't want to learn nothing new. I'm not going to do it. I don't care what you say. Number two, fear causes some people to only see negative outcomes. You, know, you look at negative outcomes about finances. I have too much debt. It'll take too long to pay it off. Somebody going to tell me no, so I don't even want to try to go get a loan. I know my credit is bad, so I don't even want to try to fix it. It's going to take too much to fix it. All these negative thoughts keep us from moving forward, keep us from achieving financial success. Number two, boredom. You say boredom is an emotion, of course. A lot of us been at home during COVID. 
And a lot of us have been doing a whole lot of shopping while we at home, not doing anything. And you know, retail, retailers, they love boredom. Why? Because most people, they cure their boredom by going either to the store, into the store, or shopping online. I remember this year, this early this year, I'm, I, I don't even want to tell you how much I spent on some shoes this summer. But I was looking outside. I was telling Pastor Deshaun a few weeks ago, the head of Amazon, I wanted him to come and personally shake my hand and thank him for all the money that he was getting, not only for me, but for my whole household. We had packages. When in June we first started taking off, man, we had packages coming almost every day. Why? Because boredom it caused you to spend money. Number three, anger. Anger will lead to a thought keep you from tapping into financial wealth because you will say, I deserve this. I've been through this situation, so I'm going to spend a little extra money. So we tend to diffuse our responsibility by treating ourselves to something. Man, I got treated bad. I'm going to take a trip to Jamaica, even though I can't deserve it. Well, you know, can't nobody tell you where to go, but maybe you should take a, a cheaper trip. Maybe you should go to Las Vegas instead of Jamaica, or maybe you should go to New York or something like that. But you have to think, you know, I'm emotional. Addressing the anger is the better answer than actually spending a bunch of money. And then the next one, jealousy, being green with envy and playing to keep up. We try to impress or gain the approvals of others by spending money. And a lot of times we don't even have the money that other people have. But in order to keep up, we get we, we uh, spend money that we might not necessarily have. And then number the next one. We wind up being stressed out and spending money mindlessly. Once again, I'm going to go to a perfect example in my in my life. A few years ago, my grandmother passed. Uh, we came from the funeral home and I was by myself. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go to K&G and just browse. I went in K&G and I came out with about three suits. And the reality is I was so stressed out about my grandmother passing. I used that as I used that as an excuse or spending money to make myself feel better. When we stressed out, we make the easiest, easiest decision in the moment, even if the long term effect is is negative. So sometimes we so focus on that moment, we're not realizing, hey, that me spending this money is going to have long term consequences. So, for example, you went shopping and you you prepare for a home cooked meal, got all the fixings, then you pick up fast food instead. You know, it might be quicker, but that habit over and over and over, it's going to tap it, tap into your finances. It's going to tap into your wealth. The next one, we happy to spend. We get a promotion. We want to buy everybody drinks. We want to take everybody out to dinner. Once again, when we happy, we tend to spend without thinking about the long-term consequences. So we talk about those seven things, those emotional responses that cause us to spend money. How do I know personally if I'm an emotional spender? These different things that let you know. Do you feel depressed or anxious after spending? Do you return more items than you keep? Do you find yourself continually trying to justify your purchases to yourself or your spouse? Do you hide evidence of your spending from your spouse? Have you bought things you've never worn or used that you forget that you bought? I had a pair of shoes that sat up 
for about four months before I wear them. That tells me that I didn't need them at that point. I could have waited, right? That I spent something just to be spending money. You love to say yes. We should never feel obligated to spend money on someone to prove that we love them, right? Because sometimes with our spouse, our kids, or other family members, we want to spend money to say, I love you. And particularly if you've, I know me and my wife have had some challenges financially, so I wanted to make up, right? And I wanted to buy a bunch of stuff. And she had to check me and say, hey, you know, I appreciate the, your sentiment, but we have to take an honest thought and look and say, do we need to spend this type of money right now? That guilt will cause you to spend money that you don't want to spend. And don't think that some those same people, your family, your kids and your spouse won't try to manipulate you, won't try to use your guilt against you to make you spend money. So be careful. Don't feel obligated once again to spend money to prove your love to someone. So we a way to identify an emotional decision is with a simple question. Will this bring me closer to my financial goals or, I, or am I feeding an emotion? So ask yourself, is spending this money, is it going to bring me closer to my financial goals or I, am I feeding an emotion? About a year or two ago, someone came to me and they asked me to co-sign for uh, something for them. And I really wanted to co-sign for this particular person. But number one, I realized that I had my own financial goals in mind. I was trying to do some things in the future uh, and, you know, by co-signing, that goes on your credit, right? So I had to ask myself, do I want to risk my particular financial goals for this person? And then I had to ask myself, I told, told I had asked this person a year before, come to me, let's sit down with your money, because I worked, I worked in banking, that's what I did for three years, three, four years. Let's sit down and go over your finances, right? And that person wouldn't do that with me. But then a year later, they came and asked me to co-sign, right? So I had to look at it and say, hey, I can't co-sign for you. The person took it as I was rejecting him. I was like, I'm not rejecting you. But the reality is that we talked about this a year ago and you did nothing. And now you want me to take on that responsibility, which you fail to do in the first place. And that's what happens. We can't allow people to manipulate us. We have to ask ourselves, hey, is this going to help me? Now, if I would have had the money to absorb and pay for their stuff without it affecting me, I would have co-signed. But I didn't have that, so I had to say no. But it's not our responsibility in life to cover up for people's mistakes. That is not our responsibility. And we cannot allow ourselves to be put in a bad financial situation just to make somebody else happy, right? So we need to identify an emotional decision once again with a simple question. Will this bring me closer to my financial goals or am I feeding an emotion? All right. So how do I stop emotional spending? We talked about all Bro, this. Yes, sir. Bro, 
you said something right there and the emotional spending and people trying to really grab hold to their emotions. For me, emotions are a direct challenge to your spirit, man. Because mm -hmm. it's part of your soul. Right. And your emotions are always trying to elevate us, elevate themselves above the spirit, which is why it's so important for us to be built up on our most holy faith at all times. So we can have that standard to fight against the enemy and to fight against those emotions when they try to elevate themselves. Is there any other barrier outside of the spirit that you can have in place, whether it's via technology or whether it's via uh, notes around the house or just things to remind yourself like, yo, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, don't that's do one it. of the things we get into next. How do I stop emotional spending? So, yep. Yes, sir. So, but I do want to get to, it. I do want to kind of, kind of go back because you kind of hit on something. And the reality is the word of God says that and we're going to go back to it. We have to work out our own soul, salvate our own salvation. And our salvation is in our soul. And the soul is made up of three parts, as you know, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we have to make sure that those things are under control. That is hard to get under control. And it takes you every day studying, focusing, doing what you need. And to be perfectly honest, it's going to take some time of sacrifice until you get yourself together. And it's going to take some time of, you know, maybe praying in the spirit and strengthening yourself. Because it's going to take some time where maybe you don't look like you got it, right? And all of us want to look like we got it going on, which is one of the issues we have with overspending. All of us want to keep up with the Joneses. All of us want to have the latest car, right? All of us want to have two cars. All of us want to have the iPhone 12, even though it's just like the iPhone 11, to be perfectly honest, if you've been reading anything, right? So how do I stop that emotional spending? Number one, you have to create a budget right? You have to create a budget every, you have to create a weekly budget, you have to create a monthly budget, and you have to create a future budget. So you won't think that you have money to spend a month from now that you don't have to, that you do really do not have. You have to give yourself a spending allowance that you use in a controlled manner. So people who are on diets, they're trying to lose weight. What they do is they one of the things that make them successful is they prep their food in advance, right? And then another thing they do is they give themselves a cheat day. So they won't be so desperate for food all the time. They have a day where they can get a little taste. So don't just allow yourself not to spend anything. Give yourself a day where you say, I'm going to go buy this pair of shoes, right? I'm going to go buy this shirt. I'm going to treat myself. Apostle used to say, if you got to treat yourself to a bag of French fries, go get some French fries. Right. You have to do something where you spending some type of money on yourself else. You're going to constantly slip up. Another thing you can do, leave your credit cards at home when you go shopping. I know that's tough for some of us. You're likely to spend less if you have to withdraw cash. Right. Because some of us see credit cards as free money. Don't save your credit card info on shopping sites. Number one, that's dangerous for security purposes, but you're more likely to spend if it only takes one click. Then you need to give get to have somebody that's some type of accountability partner that you talk about with your finances. I believe one of the issues that we have such a hard time with finances because we really don't talk about it, particularly in the church. 
because we think we have to choose either God or money. And that is not biblical. God does not want you to not have money. Otherwise, why would he say he's giving you the ability to obtain wealth? So it's no problem with you having money. As Apostle said on Manor Man Mondays this past Monday, and hopefully you watch it this coming up Monday at 7 p.m. If not, you can go to the uh, CCC website and look at any past issues. The fact that you have, you know, you have to make sure that you're managing your money properly, right? Uh, another thing you might have to do is you might have to cut up some credit cards, different things like that. Uh, and once, and let me go back. I said accountability partner. You have to have somebody that you're accountable to. I have a spouse who I'm accountable to for finances. So we always going over our budget monthly when paychecks are coming up. Okay, what you doing? What you doing? This got to be paid. What's left over? So we know in advance what's going on. So there are multiple things. I can't name them all right now. There are multiple things you can do to make sure that you have a finance, uh, you have an accountability partner. So that's how you stop emotional spending. So what are the tips that we have? Tip number one, we have to stop looking for money to define who we are. Money does not define you. Your car does not define you. Your house should not define you. Your Gucci bag should not define you. Your coach belt should not define you. And it's amazing that as, and I'm talking about us believers, we allow these things on the outside to define who we are. And then you can't allow people to define you. Luke 16 and 13 says, you can't serve both God and mammon. Both of them can't be the center of your life. It's going to be either one or the other. I heard apostle say this one time. I might get in trouble for mentioning this. Because I think we in a body of Christ. No, I'm going to take it on myself. I'm not going to put a apostle out there. I think that in a body of Christ and generally, I'm not going to even say put it on the body of Christ as a whole. It's hard for us to know the difference between God and money. Yeah, I said. it Because we believe that money can supply all our needs, right? The word of God says money answers things, and that's all it answers to. It doesn't answer to relationships. It doesn't answer to joy. It doesn't answer to peace. It doesn't answer to health. I heard Susie Orman. I know you guys know who she is. She's a financial guru. She was sick recently, and she said, you know what? I talked about how important money is. I was sick recently. The most important thing one of the things that's more important than money is your health. Money should not be the center of your life. Money should not be something that we constantly chase after. Money is a man-made creation. That's what money is. So why are you chasing? Money is a tool. Why are you chasing after a tool? Right? As I used this example a few weeks ago. As a hammer, would a hammer be the center of your life? No, because it's just something you use to get what you want. Money is a means to an end. Money is meant to be mastered. Money isn't meant to be chased after. Money doesn't validate you or it doesn't define who you are. The word of God says, seek the kingdom of God 
and his way of operating and things will come later. Or seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So we have to keep in mind. And one of the ways that we master money is the fact that we have to release it. We can't hold on to it. We can't be stingy with it. The word of God says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Right. And with the same measure that you meet, it'll be given unto you. So your ability to release money will determine how it's given back to you. And when I say release money, I don't mean to your credit card. I don't mean to your mortgage. I mean, sowing the seed. Amen. So one of the most one of the most powerful things that's happened during this COVID situation. Everybody remember back in March or April when they sent out the twelve hundred dollar checks to everybody. One of the things that was going on on Facebook was people was asking for seed and people were asking for seeds. Say you get this twelve hundred dollars, you need to sow a seed. And what was amazing to and I know I done made some of y'all nervous just saying this right there. So I'm going to break it down to you two ways. Two different people was trying to ask for seed. The church was asking, hey, you need to sow a seed because it's going to be some difficult time and you need to have seed in the ground so you receive a harvest. But when the church said that people were salty, people was on Facebook going crazy. But what was funny to me, it was people who had businesses, financial advisor business, financial coaches saying, hey, you need to sow this to investment. And they had lines of people saying, hey, how I do this? How I do that? How I get involved in investment? <coughs> and that, excuse me. And that showed me that the people of God trust the world system more than they trust the kingdom. Why? Because the world system understand that you, if you sow a seed, you reap a harvest. So they was jumping on that opportunity. We was, no, I got to hold on to my money. I got to be stingy. When the word of God says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. So you always have a seed. You always have an opportunity to sow and you always have a harvest. So we have to deal with our minds that say, do I trust this world system more than I trust God? Because you're not sowing into a church. That's our problem. We think we sowing into a church or we think we sowing into a man or a woman. You sowing into the kingdom when you trust God with your seed. Amen. So tip number two, we have to change our attitude toward ourselves. As I mentioned earlier, money doesn't change who you are. If you're bad with a little money, you're going to be bad with a lot of money, a lot of money. So you need to change your <coughs> attitude toward yourself. More money will not solve your problems because more money doesn't change the inside of you. All money do is all money will do is amplify who you are. If you're bad with a, a little money, once again, you, when you get a lot of money, you're gonna be bad. We hear all the time about lottery winners who spent up their fortune. Why? Because they've accessed all that money without changing who they are on the inside. Once again, more money will not solve your problems. You don't have money because you don't have more money because how you feel about yourself. We have to be honest. You've told yourself you don't deserve money or you don't have the right education to make a certain amount of money or you're not the right gender or you're not the right white race or you're not talented enough to get all the money you want. 
And you need to realize, and we talked about this last week, you're worthy to be wealthy because that's what God wants for you. Once again, you have the ability, the right, the power to obtain wealth based on Deuteronomy 8 and 18. And then 3 John 1 and 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as I so prosper. Once again, on Man of Monday, this past Monday, uh, Pastor Butch Watkins said to deny wealth based on Deuteronomy 8 and 18, because he's given this as a, us ability to deny wealth is to deny what God has provided. Once again, God has provided wealth. It's already on the inside of us based on Deuteronomy 8 and 18. So to say you don't want wealth is to deny what God has provided. Once again, 3 John 1 and 2, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And then Romans 12 and 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think. We talked about that earlier. By the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what's God's acceptable and perfect will is what is in his word. And we just read those two scriptures. We just quoted those two scriptures. Deuteronomy 8 and 18, then 3 John 1 and 2. If you didn't get them, go look them up. Put them on your mirror till you convince absolutely that God wants you to be wealthy. Amen. But, but I'm going to say this. Because he's already given it to you, it's your responsibility to learn how to tap into that wealth. Money is not going to fall out the sky. You have to have a seed to sow to tap into that wealth. Amen. And then tip number three, we have to understand what triggers us to spend emotionally. So this is going to take some time. It's going to take some homework. It's going to take you to maybe write down your spending habits, track them. You might need to see a therapist. You might need to see a financial advisor. Some way you need to be able to track what you spend, what you spend and your mindset during the time you spend it and it give you keys. And you, you probably already know. You just don't want to admit it. Right. So most people assume their lack of investment knowledge or current market conditions is what prevent them from growing their assets or growing their wealth. Those factors can play a role. However, it's the ability to make good, thoughtful decisions during times of high emotions or chaos that plays the biggest role in our ability to achieve our goals. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and a peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we have to get control of our emotions so we can get control of our spending. So tip number one, stop looking for money to define who you are. Tip number two, change your attitude towards yourself. And then tip number three, understand what triggers you to spend emotionally. That's all I have for Financial Friday. Hopefully those things have helped you, will help you with your feelings, uh, your money and your emotions, and you can get your spending under control. Once again, Financial Fridays with Elder Alonzo Hinton right here presented by Marshall Davis Ministries. Tremendous, tremendous tips dealing with your money and your emotions. Don't let your emotions separate you from your money. Three things stood out to me tonight, Brother Elder Hinton. Uh, the first one was change your language. Yes, sir. Change your language and the way you talk about your money 
It will impact your mind and the way you operate and deal with your money. That's very key for yes, the people of God. The second thing, and this this hit me because as husbands, we are husbands, we have families and wives and families. We know that the word of God tells us is when we find a wife, we obtain favor. And that stood out to me when you we were talking about favor and you gave the uh, situation that you were talking about with the phone call and with your wife. Favor is an acquisition, right? Yeah. You yeah. said you obtain favor. Yes. So favor in God and in the kingdom is an acquisition. Yes. So it's an acquisition by via our faith, but it deals with our seed because when you find a wife, that is fertile ground for you to sow into. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. To sow. Yeah. Not physically, but also spiritually and in the kingdom of God and as a family, as the head of a family. That is ground for you to sow into. So, you know, he gives seed to the sower. So the whole process of your faith and entering into being a sower and sowing seed will lead you directly into acquiring favor because favor is an acquisition. And that's, faith. that's so powerful, Pastor, because I think a lot of times me, as men, we miss the opportunity to tap into our wealth because we won't sow into our wives. And we don't realize that we're sowers and they're multipliers. So whatever we sow into them, we're going to get a harvest back. So more than likely, what's ever happened in your marriage, financially or however you want to put it, it's a result. I'm talking to the men now. I might have to do a thing just for the men that whatever you've sown into your wife, you've got back way more than you've sown. And the thing is, I've released my wife to be, and, I, and I've said this before, we hinting incorporated, right? I'm the CEO, she the CFO, right? I can't be the visionary and over the money at the same time. It's a conflict of interest. So I've given her the responsibility to check me when it comes to finances, right? I said, we need somebody accountable to say, yeah, you got this vision, but you need to either change, either change your behaviors or get more money. You need to do something. So we definitely need to be able to tap into our wives. I think that's such a powerful concept that you brought up because, man, I didn't even want to mention this. I didn't even want to mention this. That the fact is, I'm going to be honest, that most of us have negative perceptions about our wives and about marriage that don't allow us to sow the proper seed into them. And as a result, we have difficult marriages. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, you know, I think that's definitely a, a, a because you know, your wife not trying to steal from you. Let me minister to you. Why would your wife not want you to do well financially? Because if you're doing well, that means she's going to do well. Right? We don't want that accountability. And as men, we so strong-willed. And we know that God has made us ahead, but that don't mean we don't have accountability. And really what God, part of the reason that God tapped into the inside of us and bought a woman out was to hold us accountable. Yes, sir. So we will be out here buck wild doing what we want, right? Absolutely. Balance. It has to be balanced in your balance. life. Yeah. Right? You have to bring, and you have to, as a man, you have to submit yourself to your wife to allow that balance to take. See, that's tough right there because we don't like that word submit. So what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm the head of the family as God has ordained me. 
but I'll release some of my authority to you as my wife to keep me in check. Otherwise, I do anything and in at any time with anybody anywhere. Go ahead, man of God. You 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 tapping into some stuff that is really at the head of issues in society today. Yes, sir. That's a struggle with who's the head of the family and I'm equal and all these things that are being put out there. I don't even want to get into it. But See, just the natural flow, as God has had it, has intended, he said it in his word. He said it in his word. And it goes right to your third point that stood out to me. You are worthy. Yes. You are worthy. Because God created you. Just the fact that God created you, you are worthy to receive his promises in the word of God. So act like it. Think like it. Talk like it. And go acquire your favor. Because it's already there. It's already there. Go get it. Yes. It's just it's waiting for you to come grab it. It's just waiting for you to come grab it. It's waiting for you to stop speaking against it. It's waiting for you to stop behaving against it. It's just waiting for you to come get it. That's all it's waiting for. Once again, Financial Fridays with Elder Alonzo Hinton. You can meet us right here. We thank you for joining us tonight despite the technical difficulties early on in the show. We're so glad that we were able to get on and have you guys with us tonight. Even when we're finished, we want you guys to share, 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 share tonight's broadcast to let other people receive the manna and the financial freedom that we're giving to the people of God. Don't forget, Manna Mondays is going to be back Monday night with the Apostle Marsha Davis at 7 o'clock. Very, very special guest. We're going to get directly into the prophetic of the harvest. Yes. The prophecy of the harvest in this time and this season. Yes, sir. What to do with it in this season going into 2021. It's been a blessing. First of all, we went in and we talked about how to overcome the mindset, the negative mindsets to enter into the harvest. We came back and gave you the blueprint going into 2021 and how to deal with your harvest. And then last week, if you don't check out last week's Manna Monday. It was five. It was so, as you say, five, not F-I-R-E, but F-Y-E. It was five. Check it out. It is right there archived on the pages of Apostle Marshall Davis on Facebook and also Chicagoland Christian Center. Go to cccembassy.org to stay in tune with everything that Marshall Davis Ministries is doing. We have a couple of programs that we're going to be starting next week at the ministry uh, as far as uh, work placement, job placement, and uh, some other programs where we're going out in the community to educate people on the coronavirus coronavirus and COVID-19 and passing out essential, essential supplies so that we can be a healthy community and overcome this time in this season and operate and be in health, even as our soul prospers. We thank you so much. Any other tips? You got any other extra tips for us, Elder Hinton, before we let the people go? Just just once again, as I mentioned last week, uh, it's going to be challenging with the stock market. There probably won't be a lot of movement until after the election. So it's going to be kind of up and down. It's going to be hard to predict. So this is an opportunity to buy things on sale, stock on sale at low prices. Uh, And then if you're selling options, you're going to have the responsibility to go in and do stop limit orders because it's not going to be a whole bunch of jumping up and back and forth. So you're going to have to decide beforehand, this is what I want to make. So set your stop limit orders. 
And where can they follow you on Facebook? They can follow me on Facebook on my personal Facebook page, Alonzo Hinton, or my company's Facebook page, MISI Financial Literacy. You can reach me there also. Hey, there's a big push for mental wellness. There's always a big push for spiritual wellness. That's why we're here at Chicagoland Christian Center and Marshall Davis Ministries. And now, people of God, it's even more important that you have financial wellness. And why not get it right here on Financial Fridays? And if you can't wait until Friday, reach out to Elder Alonzo Hinton via Facebook, his Facebook page and his business page so that he can consult you and bring you to the mindset and bring your finances to a place where they will continue to grow and bless you for generations to come. For Elder Alonzo Hinton, I am Pastor Sean Davis. We bid you adieu until next Friday. We'll see you at seven o'clock for another episode of Financial Fridays. Be blessed. And as always, remember that the best is yet to come. Amen.